It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios. Welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me or you or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Cindy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. Good morning, America. I'm Jay Christian Adams in today again, substituting for Sandy Rios on American Family Radio. It's great to have you with us this morning. I'm the president of the Public Interest Legal Foundation. We're the nation's election integrity charitable nonprofit law firm. There's also at the Justice Department, we'll be talking about the Justice Department this hour, continuing from yesterday, because the, the, the gifts keep on giving at this Department of Justice. Also serve on the United States Commission on Civil Rights. You notice I put that third. Can't be prominent because we're just not supposed to talk about that. President Trump appointed me to that one. And civil rights. Oh, my, my. So much seems to be involving race these days, doesn't it? Whether you're a criminal on trial, whether you're an innocent person on trial, whether you're Kyle Rittenhouse in Wisconsin, who's using the ancient right of self-defense to justify what happened there in Kenosha. We maybe will have a verdict today on that one. Stay tuned. Get the popcorn ready, because if he's found not guilty, you can be sure the mob that's gathered outside the courthouse in Wisconsin will have something to say about it. We also want to hear from you today at one 589 That's one 589 Joining us this hour will be Cleta Mitchell. Some of you already know Cleta, but Cleta was an attorney for the President of the United States, President Trump. And of course, that can't be tolerated, can it? If you're an attorney for the President, off with your head. Disbar her. Put her in jail. These are all things you see on Twitter related to Cleta Mitchell. She'll be joining us to talk about elections, because I know a lot of you really care about elections, and really want to see something done. And in some places, good things are happening. So Cleta Mitchell joins us this hour. Some news on the COVID and the Justice Department front. We talked a lot about that yesterday. And some big news on COVID and vaccine mandate litigation. Yesterday, a lottery was held. Yes, like bouncing balls. And what the lottery was all about was what courts are going to hear the consolidated COVID vaccine mandate lawsuits. Okay, let me translate that for the real world. People are suing because they have to get a COVID vaccine, whether they work in the federal government, the military, uh, large employers because of the OSHA regulations we talked about earlier this week, the Federal Occupational Cell Safety and Health Administration. And people brought lawsuits, but they brought them all over the country. And that ran the risk of getting competing and different outcomes on the exact same challenges. So what happens is they have a lottery to decide what 
federal circuit is going to hear these cases. And yesterday, the lottery decided that it is the Sixth Circuit. The Sixth Circuit. Now, those of you who are blessed not to have a law degree, and I mean that sincerely, that is Cincinnati. It's Ohio. And I will tell you that this is a moderately good outcome for those of you who don't think the government has the power to impose COVID mandates, vaccine mandates. It's a pretty good outcome. Could have been better. Could have been the fifth. That's Texas, Mississippi, Louisiana, where there's some really, really, really strong judges. The Fifth Circuit is probably the most conservative circuit in the United States. Remember, the circuits are split up 11 ways. All the states and Texas, Louisiana, and Mississippi are the Fifth Circuit. Michigan, Ohio, Cincinnati, Sixth Circuit, some other states in there. So the Sixth Circuit is going to be the governing body for deciding the COVID mandate litigation. Probably some good news. News from the Justice Department also. This is... This is just a treat. Remember, excuse me, if you're with us yesterday, you heard us talking about the DOJ and and abuses of power. Uh, You know, you had the attorney general testifying a couple weeks ago that, oh, we have no interest in parents going to talk to school boards. We don't do that at the Justice Department. Well, wait, hold on. Yes, you do. We found out yesterday a whistleblower from inside the department, oh, I know that story, don't I? Whistleblowers from inside the department, we'll get to that in a minute. But a whistleblower from the department released emails that show, in fact, the United States Department of Justice is monitoring parents who go to their school board to talk about Lawn Boy or the other twisted books. And and I mean, look, I have a fairly high tolerance level, Lawn Boy, It's off the charts of what it's showing in a cartoon book inside schools. So parents who don't want Lawn Boy in their schools, a comic, and I cannot describe what's in it. Literally, I cannot. I I, I mean, I can, but I can't do it over the airwaves. The Justice Department is monitoring those parents who show up at school board meetings. Well, that's comforting, isn't it? You know, and I, I said earlier this week, subbing for Sandy, Rios in the morning here on American Family Radio. We need to get away from calling it the Justice Department or calling it the the school board or calling it the institutional name because these are individual people doing this that need to be held accountable. And sometimes holding them accountable means saying their name over the airwaves because they work in anonymity. I was inside the Justice Department I worked in the voting section of the Justice Department, as many of you know, and I saw how they thought they could do things without public scrutiny, anonymously, get their government salaries, $160,000, $170,000 a year, and alter the course of the nation. And nobody ever said their names because we treated them as an institutional thing, but they're not. These are individuals inside the Justice Department, inside government, who are making choices about how they behave and how they exert power. And I think it's important to say their names. We've heard that, haven't we? Say her name. Say her name. Okay. We'll say the names of the people. 
The Justice Department has something called the Inspector General's Office. It's an ostensibly independent internal watchdog. Truth is, it almost never criticizes the department itself and things get unless things get really, really, really bad, like stealing things or lying under oath. And then all they do is criticize the people. They don't prosecute them. They just criticize them. Well, there's a story today. Headline reads, Watchdog, Department now seen as politicized. The Justice Department watchdog says the department needs to prove to the public that it is not politicized. In a report released Tuesday, Inspector General Michael E. Horowitz said the public discourse questioning the department's objective application of law is, quote, concerning, unquote. Mr. Horowitz cited recent high-profile examples of the FBI failing to follow internal policies designed to protect the agency, quote, from accusations of political influence or partial application of the law, unquote, including the Bureau's heavy reliance on the false statements in the Trump-Russia collusion investigation and former FBI Director James Comey's media links. The missteps, the Inspector General said, have, quote, negatively impacted the perception of the department as a fair administrator of justice, unquote. You don't say. Really? Wow. So the inspector general now at the Department of Justice has finally taken some notice. Now, is this going to change anything? No, of course not. Are people going to be fired? No, that's not going to happen either. Are people going to go to jail? Well, if they're not going to be fired, they're not going to go to jail. What I'm telling you is, and I've said this before, things move at a snail's pace to the DOJ. There is no such thing as accountability. As I said yesterday on the show, you could steal laptops, lie under oath in an inspector general investigation, use a government credit card to improperly fly to see your mistress in Miami, and you will not lose your job. Those are all true stories just out of one division at the United States Department of Justice, the Civil Rights Division, where I used to work. And you can Google these stories yourself. This is not me coming up with sensational stories uh, out of thin air. Google Laptop Mistress Washington Times Daryl or Google Lie Under Oath Inspector General Justice Department and you'll see. So what do we do about this? Folks, when governments get out of control, whether they're forcing you to take a vaccine, whether they're putting you in prison because you're a reporter, or a protester, whether they're taxing you to death, whether they're not applying laws to themselves that apply to you, you face something that others in the United States have faced before. You face a quandary as to what your attitude should be. And a lot of people say, well, what can I do? What can I possibly do? And the first step is to pay attention. But also recognize you're an American, and Americans have a proud pedigree when it comes to these things. Because some of your great-great-great-grandparents, or more, great-great, add a few more, face similar dilemmas. Some of your parents, great-great-grandparents, might have faced a dilemma in the form of slavery, and they got the heck out with the help of bad A people like Harriet Tubman and went north, okay? 
So what I'm telling you is you listening come from a long line of heroes who faced threats to freedom and did something about it. So I want to just emphasize, and I'm not saying you should do something about it at this moment. What I'm trying to instill in your, everyone listening is that history isn't in books. History was real live people facing threats with beliefs to guide them through those tough times. And I just want to pause and mention that one of the greatest documents I think everybody should read, I gave this homework assignment yesterday, is to pull out the Declaration of Independence and actually read it, not like you're some eighth grader in school who thinks it's drudgery, because it's not. It's a thing of beauty. And it has some amazing things in there. I'm not even going to talk about all of the, like, you know, burned our ships on the high seas kind of stuff. But it says a decent respect for the, to the opinions of mankind requires that people should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. And the, one of the first things out of the gate is all men are created equal in the Declaration. I think that has relevance today. When you see people like James O'Keefe, undercover journalist for Project Veritas, getting his door busted in at 5 a.m. because his journalist outfit had a diary of President Biden's daughter that, by the way, they offered to law enforcement a year before. But when you see your people like that getting their door kicked in by FBI agents at 5 o'clock in the morning, it raises the question, are all men being treated equally? Whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it. How about that? That's right there in our founding documents. But, you know, I think probably the most relevant thing in the Declaration these days for the people in 2021 is the wondering. Because government should not be changed for light and transient causes, should they? And you got to say what the causes are. I'm Jay Christian Adams. I'm in for Sandy Rios in the morning. Up next, we have a great guest, Cleta Mitchell, Trump lawyer. Ooh, I get a t-shirt for Cleta that says Trump lawyer. Election litigator extraordinaire and go, jo, going to join us next. I want to hear from you. 1-888-589-8840. I'm Jay Christian Adams and for Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. After a series of health issues, this mom felt abortion was the only answer. Was still borderline thinking abortion until the little part at the bottom of the ultrasound started moving, and we realized there were two. And I knew then. The Ministry of Preborn is there for moms in crisis, offering free ultrasounds and the gospel in action. At just 11 weeks old, these twins cried out for life through ultrasound. Just that I said, I can't. I can't. The Preborn clinics are the largest providers of free ultrasounds in the USA, introducing moms to their preborn babies and helping them choose life. To find out more, go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. Your love can save a life. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. 
Today, we pray for Carol Spahn, Acting Director of the Peace Corps. She oversees the thousands of Peace Corps employees and volunteers who improve the lives of people in underserved nations. Proverbs 19.17 reminds us of the importance of charity and kindness. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and He will repay him for his deed. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to lift up Carol Spahn as she works to help others through her work at the Peace Corps. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starn. Stand by for news and commentary next. This fall, Liberty University is celebrating 50 years of training champions for Christ. Since 1971, Liberty has been training Christ-centered men and women with the values, knowledge, and skills essential for impacting the world, a vision that continues today. The story of Liberty University is one of unwavering faith, and we invite you to be part of the next chapter. With more than 700 programs online and on campus, Liberty can help you turn your vision into a future you can be proud of. Visit liberty.edu to learn more. Again, that's liberty.edu. If you've been watching the mainstream media's coverage instead of the actual trial, you might believe Kyle Rittenhouse is a Klansman who targeted peaceful protesters in Kenosha, Wisconsin, in a domestic terrorist attack and gunned down three black Sunday school teachers. Even President Biden described Rittenhouse as a white supremacist. None of that is true. If you've been watching the trial, you would know that Rittenhouse's father lives in Kenosha, that he answered a call to help protect local businesses from being looted. You would also know there were no peaceful protesters, just rioters, and that Kyle was brutally attacked by three men that he ended up shooting. Those men, far from saints, one a convicted child sex offender, and by the way, all white men, confirmed by irrefutable video evidence. As they say, the truth will set you free. I'm Todd Stearns. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Hello, America. I'm Jay Christian Adams in for Sandy Rios in the morning this week. Thank you so much for joining us. Want to hear from you today at 1-888-589-8840. Lots in the news. And our next guest is one of them. I want to welcome to the show Cleta Mitchell. She is the Senior Legal legal Fellow at the Conservative Partnership Institute, a great election attorney and friend. Good morning, Cleta. How are you? I'm good, Christian. How are you this morning? Doing great. Thanks for joining us on American Family Radio. And, Cleta, you know, I was just looking at a Fox News story. Fox News, it says... Former Trump attorney named the Federal Election Advisory Board. This is breaking news at Fox. And so it's great to have you. And and guess who that new attorney on the advisory board is? That would be Cleta Mitchell. <laughs> Indeed. We are joined by, by the, <laughs> the the new attorney. So, the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights. Right. And I am on the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights, although I should never mention that too prominently because the staff might worry about it, because we're supposed to be very unprominent when we mention that. And 
It says in the Fox News story, a lawyer who backed President Trump's efforts to overturn the 2020 election has been appointed to the Board of Advisors for the Federal Election Assistance Commission. Uh, Cleta Mitchell joined the board. Now, it says the move wasn't made public until this week, like some sort of concealment. And what's relevant to this, folks, is understand two things. The Election Assistance Commission is this federal agency that is supposed to advise states about elections. It doesn't have a whole lot of authority, but has some. uh, And it's important in that uh, regard. Cleta was named to the board by the Civil Rights Commission. Now, that's a weird sort of mix, isn't it, Cleta, where the Civil Rights Commission, we get to send over people to serve on this other board. How does that happen? Well, it happened, I think, Christian, because uh, there are all these different uh, entities that appoint uh, members of this advisory board to the uh, Election Assistance Commission. The U.S. Commission on Civil Rights is one of those. And uh, if I understand correctly, historically, the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights is only nominated, uh, designated to Democrats to serve. And uh, if I understand correctly, I think that you as a member suggested that perhaps that should be balanced and there should be at least one Republican uh, of the two that are designated on behalf of the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights. And so I'm very grateful to the Democrats on the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights to have uh, designated me as their Republican, uh, <clears throat> one of the two of their designees to this advisory board. Right, you are. And and just so we'll make a little news here, how this works is the Republicans on the commission, for which there's four, there's four Republicans, four Democrats on the Civil Rights Commission, we offer names to the Democrats and say, okay, you guys get to pick Democrats, which of our names you like. And so we offered those names to the Democrats on the commission, and they picked Cleta Mitchell. And so the, the well, Democrats, I think, made a very good decision uh, and picked you to serve uh, as the EAC advisory board. But what's interesting, Cleta, is the left has gone apoplectic in the last 24 hours, haven't they, uh, because they've learned that the Democrats picked you? Well, what's, I think they have gone apoplectic, but let's step back for just a moment. Here's what... They're saying they're apoplectic because the Democrats, as she pointed out, the Democrats on the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights picked me. Um, they picked me instead of, I guess they had a choice between you and me, and they picked me. So I don't know what that says, I mean, because, but I'm very grateful for the uh, bipartisan show of support here. But let's also think about something. The EAC exists because after the 2000 election, the the Democrats and the left had nationally exploding heads over the fact that George W. Bush won that presidential election. This entire commission exists out of the Democrats' rejection of the results of the 2000 election. And so that's what's so ironic about this. They, they're criticizing my being on this advisory board to, because I represented, I was part of the president, President Trump's legal team, volunteer legal team that that identified illegal votes and irregular votes in Georgia that had been cast and counted and included in the certified total in um, the November third, uh, two thousand twenty election for president. And so, because I was part of that, they're saying somehow that it's terrible that I would be on a commission that was that they created 
that Congress created because they demanded it because they thought that George W. Bush had, quote, stolen the 2000 election. It's just you can't make this up with these people. Uh, and, and, and I've tried to explain this to the audience when I'm blessed to guest host for Sandy is the entire institution in Washington is designed to spread uh, left wing ideas, to give left wingers and, and Democrats jobs and salaries. And any time this gets infiltrated by somebody else, it's like an antibody in the system and they go berserk, don't they? It's like, oh, you're not allowed here. Oh, you know, that's really an interesting point, because I've given that advice to, uh, I'm doing everything I can to work in in my capacity as a senior legal fellow at the Conservative Partnership Institute. I'm helping to organize people to go to their election board meetings, just as parents are going to school board meetings, go to election board meetings, become part of um, the election ecosystem. And uh, because for far too long, we've let the left just have control. And this is, as as our people, as conservatives, as patriots, as good citizens are showing up at election boards, they're being asked, what are you doing here? By the people, the League of Women Voters or the Plague of Women Voters, I like to call them, or any uh, uh, other left-wing group, they're at the election board meetings all the time. And so it's time for our people. In fact, I published a guide last week um, called The Citizen's Guide to Building an Election Integrity Infrastructure. You can get it on our website. Uh, anybody can get it. But people need to get busy about being at the election offices, and, and it's driving the left crazy. It is mention, driving the left crazy. Mention the name of the website where they can get it. Go to www.whoscounting.us, and it's W-H-O-S-C-O-U-N-T-I-N-G, Who's Counting. US. And also, you can subscribe to my podcast, Who's Counting with Cleta Mitchell. My very first guest on my podcast was none other than Jay Christian Adams. And everybody has told me, Christian, how much they learned from you in that podcast. But we've got a Citizen's Guide to Election Integrity. We're going to be publishing more Citizen's Guides on voting systems, on uh voter list maintenance on all kinds of things, how to protect elderly voters. But we have to be involved as citizens and our church. We got to get our churches involved, our citizens groups involved. We can't let the left continue to have sole and total control over the election systems, which is something they've been building for over a decade. And Cleta, I get the question a lot, and I'm sure you do too, to folks listening. They say, well, what on earth can I do? And, I thought maybe you could explain the difference between a poll watcher and a poll worker and what on earth they can do. Oh, my goodness. We can do so much. I will just give you two examples. In, uh, in Virginia, um, and I was very involved in helping in Virginia, as were you. Thank you, Christian. Um, but one of the things that we realized was that, you know, the laws in most states require that there has to be 50-50 parity representation of Democrats and Republicans serving as election officials, the people who are actually working the polls, making sure that supposedly following the law and executing the law. And most states, I'm telling you, I've seen this for decades, states fill Republican slots with Democrats because they say we don't have enough Republicans to fill the slots, so we just fill them with Democrats. And in Virginia... They worked very hard. The volunteers worked very hard. They went out and found people 
who said, yes, I'd be willing to be an election official. I'll be willing. They're the people who are actually paid. They, they're the people who are responsible for counting the votes and making sure that things are done properly. And they got, they got to parity for the first time. It took months, but it got to parity. And yesterday, I was on a call with someone from Michigan, because they're starting to organize things in Michigan. In the Detroit area alone, there are over 5,000 slots for election officials. It is supposed to be 50-50 Democrat and Republican. Would you like to know how many Republicans filled the slots? In 2020? Uh, I, listen, I, I can't wait to hear this number because it, it's... 170. No. 170. Oh, my gosh. Now, the good news in Michigan is under Michigan law, anyone from anywhere in the state can be a poll official, uh, unlike Philadelphia, where you have to find Republicans in Philadelphia, which isn't easy. But so we're setting about to find those people and to get that strike force deployed, but... You know, the, the left is going crazy about this. They're doing, quote, investigations. They're saying that this is some massive takeover conspiracy by the right. And I, all I can say is, you betcha, we are going yeah. to get our people and the slots the law entitles us to. Yeah, and folks, that's important to understand. Remember, a poll watcher, things you've heard about, those are the people who stand in the polls and get to complain about things they see. Who do they complain to? They complain to a poll official, and these are the slots that Cleet is talking about, is poll officials become the government, become the power, sign up to run an election precinct, not just stand around with a clipboard taking notes, actually do something. And Cleet is talking about Detroit and Philadelphia. Realize in Philadelphia, unless you live in the city of Philadelphia, you're not allowed to be in those polls. And that's what makes it so insidious in Pennsylvania Cleta, did this show up in Virginia? Did did things change in this last election in Virginia? Oh, oh my gosh. It was absolutely wonderful because people got out of their chairs and out of their kitchens and they came, they formed local election integrity task forces. Then uh, they formed a statewide Virginia Fair Elections Coalition that had conference calls twice a week. They did training. They had a one, they had a, Virginia had this great, resource and a woman, Dr. Clara Barrel Wheeler, who'd been on the state election uh, board, and she knows the Virginia law better than any, probably nine out of 10 lawyers in Virginia. And she did training. They trained thousands of people to become poll workers and poll watchers. And in fact, I've learned since that many people, they had 45 days of early voting before election day. It started September 17th. That's a lot of shifts to fill, but what they did was they got people who signed up to become election officials, and then they would serve as election officials during early voting and or, or and then poll watchers uh, at some other times because people could move back and forth. That's not always possible, but there were over 4,000 slots filled for poll workers and poll observers in Virginia. And that made the difference in what did not happen. I could give you stories after stories of things that the citizens' task forces, because they were there in the offices, that they found out things, they learned things, they got things corrected before they became a problem. And some things they learned about that were never publicly announced, which is the one that you know the most about, 
which is they learned that the in Fairfax County three weeks before the election with all of these massive applications for absentee ballots coming in that had been paid for by these left-wing groups who sent out over 2 million pieces of mail to uh, voters in uh, just targeted voters in Virginia, uh, applications for absentee ballots, pre-populated with their name. But when those things come into the election office in order to send an absentee ballot to that to fulfill that request, you're supposed to have the last four digits of the person's of the voter's social security number. And the registrar in Fairfax County just quietly told his workers one day, "Oh, you don't have to do that anymore. Just ignore that requirement." Well. That was never publicly announced. The only way it became known was because of the citizens group that was there in the polls working. And a worker quietly told one of the task force members. That's how it was known. If we hadn't, they hadn't been there, we would never have known. Right. We're on with Cleta Mitchell, Senior Legal Fellow of the Conservative Partnership Institute, talking about the importance of you guys listening, getting involved in elections. Cleta, can we take one call? Sure, absolutely. Sure. Jeffrey, you're in Texas. Uh, good morning, Jeffrey. We're on with Cleta Mitchell of the Conservative Partnership Institute. What do you have to say, Jeffrey? Well, in Texas, I'd, I'd like to add that um, to what you, you guys are mentioning. is This is about volunteers getting involved, and it's, and it's also your, your civic duty. But when you're working as a poll watcher, you're compensated for that time. So people concerned about you know their income and so forth, we compensate in the state of Texas when you're an election official. Our poll watchers, on the other hand, that represent a measure, a bond, a candidate, are volunteers. And the third thing is, in the state of Texas, 16 years old, in your jurisdiction, through your school, can request to be an election official, too. Right. And the one- so there's a lot of incentives to be a poll official, aren't there, Cleta? In other words, you can get paid, yes. whereas in poll fact, watchers... Yes, and you know, it, you're not going to get rich being an election official, but you are compensated for your time. And um, and you're trained. Uh, we like to have our own training, hopefully, but you're trained and and you are the person inside. It's, it's like it's the difference between being inside the ropes and doing the action, making the decision versus being outside. And we need both. We need both, but the first slots we want to fill are those election officials. Then we'll come back and populate the observers because we want to have eyes on every ballot and eyes and ears in every election office. Thanks a lot, Cleta. We have a hard break. Thank you for joining us. Cleta Mitchell, the Conservative Partnership Institute. We'll be back right after this with your calls on American Family Radio. Hello, I'm Sam Rohr, president of the American Pastors Network, a growing national network of pastors committed to the authority of Scripture and preaching the whole counsel of God. We believe biblical obedience is the foundation for revival and impacting our culture for Christ is our duty. For too long, the pulpits of America have been silent on the important issues such as marriage and family and assault on our liberty. Join us in the battle for truth on Stand in the Gap weekend, Sunday evenings at 6 p.m. on American Family Radio, and visit us at AmericanPastorsNetwork.org. So, Hannah, she's just one of the women who did struggle with infertility in the Bible. Hannah's Heart with Ann Cockrell and Kendra White. Hannah took her pain to God, and God heard her and was with her. Hannah's Heart helps couples process infertility and miscarriage through a biblical lens. Join us Saturday afternoon at 5 Central on American Family Radio. 
find the podcast at AFR.net. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. A generation has been taught they descend from animals, that there is no God. They've been taught they are nothing more than a cosmic accident. They have no purpose, and life has no meaning. Life's meaninglessness has been punctuated for them by the 60 million children who've been slaughtered in the womb and counting. But society is shocked when they act out exactly as they have been taught, like animals with no conscience. Respect for human life begins with respect for the life giver. America needs repentance. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This year has just flown by. I know. It's already November. As 2021 comes to a close, the AFA Foundation would like to invite you to make a planned gift to American Family Association. With a planned gift, you partner with American Family Association and become a Christian patriot, an activist, a broadcaster, a Bible teacher, a servant, and an evangelist advancing God's kingdom in America. Consider the many ways your planned gift can help restore a biblical worldview in our nation, as well as bring financial stability to your family. A planned gift can take the form of a charitable gift annuity, an IRA charitable rollover, or a gift of stock that helps you avoid capital gains tax. And many of these benefits can be achieved with a surprisingly modest gift. Contact the AFA Foundation and learn more about making a planned gift. Call 800-326-4543, extension 345, or visit our website at afafoundation.net. This is Frank Afney with the Secure Freedom Minute. The so-called January 6th insurrection seems increasingly to have been instead what's known as a false flag operation in which Donald Trump's political foes shamelessly exploited an incident they provoked to thwart congressional action on his charges of electoral fraud. You'd never know it from the House Commission investigating that event or mainstream media slavishly promoting its deceptive narrative. But three men in particular have doggedly sought the truth. Wisconsin Senator Ron Johnson will discuss his findings in a securefreedom.org webinar today with my colleague, Dr. Michael Waller, an expert on the political warfare at the core of the January 6th affair. And War Room host Steve Bannon is poised to jujitsu his prosecution for exhibiting contempt of Congress to expose in court official complicity in provoking and manipulating American patriots on the 6th of January, then lying to the rest of us about it. This is Frank Gaffney. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Good morning, everybody. I'm Jay Christian Adams in for Sandy Rios today. You can follow me on Twitter at Election Law CTR. Election Law CTR on Twitter. It's been great joining you this week. Thank you, everybody, for all the great calls, all the great insights, all the great emails, all the great follows. We're talking about a lot of things including Cleta Mitchell is just our guest on election issues and how you could get involved to make a difference. want to hear from you at 1-88-589-8840. That's 1-88-589-8840. We have a midterm election next year. And folks, I want to tell you, the election's happening now. 
in November the year before. All of the mechanical things that go into running next year's midterm elections are starting now. For example, in February of this year, election boards across the Commonwealth of Virginia will be picking the election officials to run the election. That's in February. All the employees to get paid to be election officials in the precincts are going to be picked in February. That means you've got to apply before February to get picked. So what I'm trying to emphasize is you might have thought elections occur in November of even-numbered years, and what I'm telling you is the mechanics of elections are occurring in the fall and summer of odd-numbered years. The list maintenance activities, the selection of officials, the location of precincts. By and large, these things occur a year in advance. Election day is just the day that it all finishes up. It's not the day that the action occurs, especially not now with early voting. Now let's talk about early voting for a minute. This idea came out about a decade ago. I had a piece in the Washington Times that said eight reasons to not like early voting. One of them was that it's expensive, that it doesn't really increase turnout, and it encourages political polarization. People who already have their mind made up and don't want to listen to anything else, they early vote, and they miss the show. It's like walking out in a movie in the first 20 minutes. It's like leaving the sixth sense before you even know the shooting occurs. Okay, sorry to those of you who didn't see the sixth sense. The point is, early voting creates political polarization. It makes it harder to monitor the election because it goes over like 40 days in Virginia. The only people who have the manpower to monitor that election are unions. And lastly... Here's the big reason I don't like early voting. There's something good about Americans gathering together and standing in line together on one day every couple of years. I think it is a unifying event when you have an election day. I think when we all stand together and commonly share the experience of going to vote on election day, there's something good about it. Now, you might want to disagree and quibble and say that's all old-fashioned. Okay, fine. We have a different opinion. But I'm noticing a country where everything is starting to tear to pieces and break down and separate. We don't have common experiences anymore. All the unifying glue of this nation is disappearing. It used to be a Judeo-Christian nation based on basic concepts of decency. That's gone. So what's next? FM radio. Oh, we don't do that. We don't even listen to the same music anymore. Linda, you're in Tennessee. What do you have to say about all of this? Well, I've been a uh, rural mail carrier for 20 years in two different states. And this last election, there was an inordinate amount of uh, unsolicited ballots that were mailed out, and the recipients... Number one, there were made-up addresses, made-up names, and as a postal worker, as a rural carrier, it was my job to go through and make sure that 
the the ones that actually were delivered were to people that were actually there, to places that were actually existing, because it was it was insane how many that we had to send back. And when we when we pull them out of the mail stream that have the fictitious addresses and stuff, and mail them back, we have no idea what happened to them when we sent them back. And I I'm I'm concerned about it. I I hate that because I personally go every time when there's when there's an election. My husband and I go in person, and we've never had a problem. But it's it's just. It's nerve-wracking, and it, it angers me to no end that there are still so many of them that are sent out to fictitious, made-up addresses with made-up people, and I, I think that's, that's a big problem. And well, I wish there was some way we could fix that. Well, Linda, you're step one to fixing it, because if you listen to all the, the drones who advocate for male voting, whether it's Jocelyn Benson, the Michigan Secretary of State, or Amber Reynolds of the Voted Home Institute, who now is on the Postal Board of Governors, thanks to President Biden putting her on there as a thank you for helping him win the election with mail voting. If you listen to them, you're just a, a made-up story. You're just fake, Linda, because nothing's wrong with mail voting to these people. Mail voting is beautiful and sugary-coated. It's a sunrise after a dark evening. Mail voting is the perfect answer for progressive dreams. But see, you have witness. You have eyes on the game. And you're telling America that it's a mess. And we all know it's a mess because I've been to Nevada and I've seen the ballots stacked up on the floor in apartment complexes. I visited the vacant lots and abandoned mines in Pahrump where ballots are being mailed to, where nobody lives. I visited the liquor stores, the casinos, the pot shops, where ballots are being sent in Las Vegas, where the voter doesn't exist. I've been there. You've seen it, Linda. You know the truth. But people like Amber McReynolds and Secretary of State of Michigan Jocelyn Benson, they want people to think that mail voting is just hunky-dory. And so I thank you for that testimony because it validates what many of us have known in this space, that automatic mail voting is a calamity. And it's a calamity that altered the outcome in places like Nevada, New Jersey, and had a big role to play in Pennsylvania and Arizona in the last election. Gina, you're in Texas. Good morning. You're on American Family Radio with Christian Adams substituting for Sandy Rios. Good morning, Christian. Thanks so much for taking my call. I just wanted to let you know that I have been an election official, GOP official, here in our county um, for many years. And just to let you and the uh, listeners know that the best way to get uh, involved is uh, to contact your county chairman. Every county should have a GOP chairman, and this is the individual who can get you connected, can get you down to the elections office, and get you involved. Because in my experience, sometimes, unfortunately, even the elections offices can be overwhelmed by the Democrats. And I have known personally that there are Republicans who have volunteered to go down and work the elections, and their names have been crossed off. Um, so just FYI, the, the chairman 
meant whoever the individual is could be very helpful in, in that case. You're exactly right. And it's so good to hear from you, Gina, because uh, for years, for years, control of the system has been one party control by and large, not everywhere, but by and large, because how many people in the real world who aren't union members, federal employees, or working for some 501c3 left-wing nonprofit have time to do this, right? Most of us have real jobs or other obligations. We're not paid by an organization to be an activist. So they've been able to dominate the process. They've been able to get their people in. And by the way, that's why they're having such a freak out about what's happening now that the other side is starting to show up. ProPublica. ProPublica is a left-wing so-called journalist outfit funded by Soros dollars. Has a series of shocking reports about conservatives showing up to be election officials. Shock, shock. Man the barricades. Red alert. So when you guys actually get involved, the left goes crazy. ProPublica. Other organizations are very offended that some of you have shown up to become election officials. Because after all, you're not welcome, are you? You're not welcome in the public square. Your religion needs to be kept behind closed doors. Your culture is old-fashioned. If you follow what Martin Luther King taught and treat people by the con- with the content of their character being important, then you're racist. See, that's what they're turning America into, is crazy world. Crazy world, where up is down. Headline today, Manchin says he doubts Biden claim that spending will lower inflation. Manchin doubts Biden claim that big government spending will lower inflation. And my reaction to that headline was, Biden's not really claiming that big government spending will lower inflation, is he? Because everybody knows that's not true. I took economics in college. I understand that even in the Keynesian model, that under no circumstance does increased government spending lower inflation, but yet they're claiming this? These people have gone crazy. And they don't want you to tell them that. You're a pest if you do. Don't show up to work for the election. See, folks, that's the world you face now. You face the world where the culture is trying to make you unwelcome on the American stage. You, the people who built this country, are no longer welcome to the elites. Your religion, icky. Don't talk about that. Don't expect the public schools to respect that. Don't expect your federal government to defend religious liberty anymore. Oh, yes, that's another story today we didn't have time to get into. 1-88-589-8840. I'm Jay Christian Adams in for Sandy Rios on American Family Radio. Oh, we're going to have some big news today, aren't we, out of Wisconsin, probably. The Kyle Rittenhouse verdict will come in. And then watch what happens. Oh, I can. everyone knows what's going to happen. If it goes one way, X will happen. If it goes the other, Y will happen. We all know. Jeff, you're in Louisiana. What do you have to say about this? 
Yeah, I mean, the, uh, the mainstream media will blow it up, and they always do. And, um, I mean, they called him a vigilante, and uh, I think video didn't show that. But anyway, that's one comment I made. If he was a Democrat, it's probably the wheels of justice would turn the right, you know, it would turn his way. So one more thing, and I'm going to hang up. Um, how can majority, you know, our government system is built on majority rules. So how can minorities win if majority rules? And I'm going to hang up and listen to you, brother. Thank you. Well, you know, that's a complicated question. Uh, and sometimes it's a question of energy and zeal. The side with the most zeal wins. The side with the most zeal wins. And that's why your zeal out there is so important. The zeal of the founders, the zeal of the patriot, the zeal of the continental soldier is what gave this country its inheritance. The zeal of the guy in the 1920s building a bridge to get up every day and go to work and do their best. The zeal in calling your elected officials and telling them what you think. They will respond. Believe me, they will. Those calls to Congress when, we, when you guys get activated make a difference. The small things matter. Don't look for silver bullets. Just push the millstone and you'll make a difference. Thank you so much. I've been in for Sandy Rios this week. It's been a blast. Always love talking to you guys. I'm Jay Christian Adams. We'll do it again soon, I hope. You've been listening to American Family Radio, Sandy Rios in the morning. Thank you all very much, and you have a great day. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.